Paul, I'd like you to go in your Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6. You know, as I saw that in the news today about what happened in that English church of sorts, and I use that word loosely, I suppose, but a gathering, you know, that they would, that someone would dare to say what a blasphemous thing to declare that Jesus was a transgendered person. It, it's pitiful. It was so disturbing to many of the members of that assembly that some of them went out in tears. They were very upset that this kind of thinking has crept into the church. And I, I think of like men like Mr. Spurgeon, and I think of Adoniram Judson and others. That there was a time when England was reaching the world with the gospel. Many of the missionaries came out of that country, were sent, and now, you know, we're having to send missionaries back there. And the same thing could very well be said about our country. So, beloved, I want to talk to you about our warfare tonight. It, you know, uh, the seriousness of it. So let's look in Ephesians 6 and, and look with me in verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And so let's pray one more time. Father, I pray, God, that you'll edify us tonight through the preaching of your word as we examine this. And Lord, I pray that we might be engaged as believers in this warfare. And so, Father, I, I pray that uh, you'll open our understanding and may we receive the word of God with meekness tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You know, the book of Ephesians can be divided really along three different lines. We could talk about the believer's wealth, the believer's walk, how we're to walk, children of light, and supposed to be children of love. And then finally here in chapter 6, we have the believer's warfare. And uh, if you've been saved any time at all, you know that we really do have some enemies uh, who have not taken the blessings of our salvation sitting down and have not taken the place of America you know, that we were once, a really were, really were a Judeo-Christian nation and had the blessings of God upon us to where we were affecting other countries in a positive way. Now, I'm not going to say that every administration or every politician has always done something that was righteous and something that honored God, but there were times in America where there really was, it really was a Christian stronghold where righteousness and fidelity were important. And we see by the headlines and what's happening and how easily people are vacillating these days that it's not, uh, it's not engaged in the battle as it once was. And so Paul, under inspiration, he tries to exhort his readers as well as give them a word of encouragement here uh, in, in that, that they need to know that the battle lines were drawn and that we are soldiers. We really are. We're soldiers in the Lord's army. And uh, 
But, you know, it's like that old song, I may not shoot the, uh, you know, the artillery, I may not ride in the cavalry, but I'm in the Lord's army, yes, sir. Amen. And we are. And the day that you and I got saved, the lines were drawn, and we became the enemies of Satan and the enemies of this world. And I will just say again, the world is not our friend, nor has it ever been the friend of believers wasn't the friend of the Lord Jesus, and it's not our friend today. And so, uh, so some things here, he wanted to exhort his uh, readers and his, uh, here at the, in the church at Ephesus, three things I want us, uh, want us to see tonight. Notice I want you to get the first thing, and that is that he wants us to be strong. He wants us to be strong. And notice how he puts this, finally, my brethren, be strong how? To be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And why does he want us to be this way? Because, beloved, you, you have to understand the reality of the battle. We really are in a battle. We really are. And we're battling in, in our land. We're battling ideas and we're battling those invisible forces. You know, there, there's a world. We see the world around us, but there's an invisible world. That's on the other side where angels of light and angels of darkness are doing battle. You remember when Daniel had prayed and asked for an answer? You know, he said, you know, what's, what's going to be our future? What's supposed to happen to us? They were in captivity in Babylon. And we know that, 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 uh, that Gabriel came and said, man, you know, you, you prayed. And, and 21 days ago, basically, the answer was on its way. And Michael had to intervene to do battle. Why? because there was an enemy out there that would, did not want to allow Gabriel to bring the message to one of God's servants to be an encouragement to those that were in captivity. And so the battle lines have been drawn for a long time. And there really is a spiritual war that's taking place. And uh, it's not coincidence that we run into these things or even that we're hearing about this kind of behavior and this kind of doctrine and false doctrine being purported, you know, not in some back room, but in a mainstream, if you will, a mainstream uh, of church there in, in Christendom in England, a place once where great missionaries and great revivals were born. And so the tendency of things is not to get better. If you let it go, what does it do? You know, what does it say? A child left to himself brings his mother, bring, brings shame to his parents, to his mother. And if you let anything go, if you just let it go and ignore it, it's naturally going to go down, isn't it? And the same thing is true here. And so God wants us to be strong because there, that we need to understand the reality of the war that we are in. And, and we have to know this also that the war zone, where is the battlefield? The battlefield, beloved, is right up here. It is in our minds is where this is. And we know that, that uh, 2 Corinthians talks about this, where we're to bring our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ and, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And the world every day bombards us with a lot of misinformation, a lot of deceptive things, uh, that whereas we're not getting the truth, if you will, out there that we once were. But thank God we still have access to the absolute truth, amen, and, uh, and can acquaint ourselves with this and have the mind of God. 
but there is a war zone, and that's in the mind. And, and you must understand this, too. If we're going to be strong, it requires that the will of man be engaged in this battle. It requires our will to be involved. Because if we're going to be passive, passivity leads to captivity. Man, did, did, you know, when, uh, you men that were in the military, man, they taught us about things like that. They taught us about, you know, uh, about dealing. You had to do hand-to-hand -hand combat. You had a little of that. You probably had bayonet practice where you did, you know, cross, parry, and thrust and, and some other things, pressure points and things that you had to learn if it ever got down to that. I mean, if you lost your weapon, man, you'd have to use your helmet. If you didn't have that, you took your belt. and you did. In other words, you used whatever you had to be engaged, but you had to be mentally prepared for what you might be called upon to do. And, and beloved, nothing has changed in the spiritual war that you and I are engaged in. And so God calls upon us to be this. Our, our wills have to be involved. We must be engaged in passivity. What? Passivity is knowing what to do and then not doing it. You know, we would say this, you know, if you're not going to get in the battle, then the battle will overtake you. And, uh, and there, are a lot, there are a lot of people, if you will, that to me in the day and hour in which we live, you know, the people that the, they, they call themselves, well, I used to be or I once was or I used, you know, those kind of things. And they have become captive. They, they have been taken captive by this world. And, uh, and so because of their passivity. And so something that we have to be strong, if you will, notice that word. Look at verse 10 again. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And that word strong there means to be enabled. It means to be strengthened, if you will. And notice how it is. Not strengthened my, in my own might. Not strengthened in my own ability. You and I, we're no match for the devil. You know, even the book of Jude says that even Michael wouldn't bring an accusation. He said, but the Lord rebuked thee. Remember, they were having a dispute over Moses' body. Michael wouldn't engage with it, wouldn't engage with the devil, but he said, what? The Lord rebuked thee. And so, and so, so it is with us. So, so we're not being strong in our own power, not being strong in our own might, because the weapons of our warfare, I just remind you this, I know you know it, but I, I'm just reminding you of the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You know, if, if all it took was a, a gun, man, Texas could, could take on the devil, amen? If that's all it took, I don't know how many guns are in Texas, but there's a lot. There's a lot of what goes on in other places because they don't have people with a backbone or, if you will, the courage to do what needs to be done like some would do here in Texas. And uh, But my point is, is that even Texas is no match for a spiritual enemy. You and I, we can't wage a spiritual warfare with carnal means. But here's the good part. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. They are mighty. And you and I need to know that. And so it says to be, be strong in the Lord and watch. In the power of his might. That is his dominion. In other words, that the Lord is over all of these things. And there is nothing outside of his reach or outside of his ability to deal with in these spiritual battles that we are engaged in. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. There's no strength in our flesh 
to do spiritual battling, beloved. So to be strong in the Lord is to have a great confidence in his ability. And you remember, you know, the times that Jesus marveled in the Bible. One of them, he marveled over the great faith that that centurion had. Do you remember that? He said, man, he said, you don't have to come all the way to my house. He said, I'm a man under authority, and I say to one, go, and he goes here, and I say to another, go there, and they go there. He said, all you have to do, man, is just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus had said that he marveled over such great faith because he hadn't seen that in all of Israel. And the other time he marvels is when he was back in Nazareth. And the Bible says that he could do no great work there. Why? Because they had so much, so much unbelief. And he marveled at their unbelief, marveled at it. And so, beloved, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might is for you and I to have great, great confidence. Great confidence. Listen, uh, six times in this book, in the book of Ephesians, God's power is presented to these believers. Remember, I mean, they, and the reason why he does that, remember, Remember, there was they were they were worshiping the goddess Diana, and they had that they had that uh, that uh, they they were selling these statues and so forth and and uh, you know for someone to tell you that there are not powers of darkness the occult and so forth that some of those things are real those things are true and uh, and and the devil has power but he's he's on a chain and he can only do that which God allows if you will. And so the point here is, is that God wants us to be strong in the power of his might and not our own. So our strength has something to do. Listen, my strength increases as I depend upon the Lord more and more each day. Remember what Paul said? He said, when I am weak, then am I what? I'm strong. I'm strong. And so that we are, we get more power, if you will. We have more, uh, we have more ability as our dependency increases. And, and notice what it says. You know, the Christian life is defined by power, and God has given His power to us. Paul said, "For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. It is in power. Power comes in two. It comes two ways, or in." two varieties. One is authority, and the other one is ability. And both of those things have been given to us. We have his authority. Why? Why? Because I've been born again. You've been born again by the grace of God. You've been adopted. You've been made acceptable. You have been acquitted. You've been forgiven. you got a new standing. You have a new state, and you're a child of God, an heir, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And in part, that's why we're also in the battle is because the devil hates God so much and he hates us so much because we've aligned ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he hates us because of that, because of our, our identification with the Lord. And so we have been given his authority and we have been given his ability because of these things. Look in Ephesians chapter, look in chapter one with me and look in verse 19. Keep your place there in chapter six. But look in verse 1 and look in, look in chapter 1 and look, look in verse 19. Notice what he says. And he said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Where? To usward. Turn there with me. Chapter 1, look in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To usward who what? Who believe 
according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And, and verse 22 says, and put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so ability has been given us. Look in chapter 3. Look in verse 7. Notice what it says. It says, chapter 3, verse 7, Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me. Now watch. By the effectual working of his power. The effective working, what was being done, what was being accomplished through the power that was given to the Apostle Paul to minister the gospel and, if you will, to deal with souls and men and so forth, establish those churches, God gave him the power to do those things. Beloved, we have been given that same power to walk and to work for the Lord for in the things of God. He's given us these things and has given us access. Look in verse, look in verse 20. Notice what it says. Acts, or correction, Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that what? I know you know this verse. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly according, above all that we ask or think. How? According to the power that worketh in us. Even beyond our thoughts or what we think is possible. And this is all based upon our believing him. That's being strong in the Lord. It doesn't make us presumptuous. It doesn't make us foolish. We're not out here tempting the Lord but it is our believing what God has said that it is so. And as my dependence upon those truths increase, so too does our strength to be in this battle to wage the warfare. I mean, to walk and to work, to live according to the power that worketh in us. Listen, when you and I got saved, the power of the resurrected Christ came to live on the inside of us. That's the reason why, in part, why sin does not have dominion over us, because the person of Christ lives in us. He's the hope of glory, right? Christ in us. And his power, that power of resurrection. So ability has been given to us to do these works. And so he hasn't called us to something, if you will, that's outside of our reach. It's not dependent upon our own physical prowess. Listen, this power also, listen to me, it has nothing to do with how long you and I have been saved. You know, there are people out there, uh, there were, I, I know some young Christians, man, they, they would, you know, and you know the old saying, man, they, they were acting like, man, they would, they would just take a squirt gun and they would attack the gates of hell with it if they, if they thought they could. I mean, they had more zeal than they had knowledge, so to speak, but they weren't short on power, if you will, in their lives. Why? They were just young enough in the Lord to believe that God could do those things. I mean, what, what do your children say when they were little? What did they say? You know, two little boys get together. Well, man, my dad could whoop your dad or, or my dad could do this and he could jump. I mean, it wasn't just Superman in those days. It was a lot of times what they thought. And we as God's children, you know, we need to have the right mindset that there really is nothing too hard for our Lord. 
What did Jeremiah 32, 17 said? Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there's nothing too hard for thee. There's nothing too hard for our Lord. Nothing too hard. And so like a child learning to walk, we're only able sometimes to pull ourselves up and then we hold on to things. And sometimes that happens as we get older too, amen? We got to have a little help up and we got to hold on to some things. And, but eventually we're able to take some steps. And so too it is God wants us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not our own. Man, if we could have done this on our own, there'd have been no need for Jesus to have died. There'd been no need for the Holy Spirit to come live on the inside. We wouldn't have a need for a Bible. We could just think our way through, but it doesn't work that way. It's built upon our trust. You know, what did he say? But as many as received him to them gave he power. That's that authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe upon his name. That's John 1, 12. But the Christian life is defined in terms of Beloved, you and I have been given that power. And as we trust the Lord, that power then is allowed to work in our lives as it should to do the will of God. Then I, I want you to notice something else. Look at verse 11. Go back to Ephesians 6. He certainly wants us to be strong, but he also wants us to stand. He wants us to stand. Notice what it says. Put on the whole armor of God. Verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles there has to do with his methods. The methods, you know, and the devil, he is clever, I will say that. But we're exhorted to stand against these things, and if you will, and to withstand. Look there in, look there in verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand and it's interesting those words and i know that nobody in here is a greek but i do like etymologies the where words come from and that one word the word stand means to if you will literally to abide and it, it's kind of like the it's kind of like uh i guess a good illustration of this would be is uh <clears throat> is something called histamine it's what's in your body you have it in your body and the word there for stand is histamine it's where the word histamine comes from it's something that releases and when you're when your blood is flowing and so forth in your body as it should you have you have some you have some histamine that gets involved in those capillary beds to allow oxygenated blood and and that blood and carbon dioxide imagine if you will that it was a subway now, I know that's a little stretch for you, and I'm not talking about a Subway sandwich. I'm talking about the Subway trains, all right? Imagine if there was someone like a porter at the door. You know what a porter is, right? Someone who would hold the door open and give us time to get on board and give those on board to give them time to get off. Well, that's what, that's what this word stand means, for us to abide in that place to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil and not be moved. And that porter, he had an important job, that person that was on the door. Well, that word withstand then is where you get the word 
an antihistamine from? And an antihistamine shows the resistance to that and, uh, and, and keeps that door or allows that door to be closed. In other words, so, so the idea here is that we're to stand when we need to, strong, not be fooled, but to be strong, if you will, be strong-willed in what we believe and to be able to stand against those methods, those, the treachery, be able to see past that, and then also to withstand, to show some resistance. It's almost like what I think about, another, a better illustration probably would be that of like a lineman. You know, in a football team, what's he doing? He's trying to protect the quarterback. He's supposed to stand, right, when they're in that pass protection. He stands there. He doesn't run downfield. He's supposed to hold his place, and then he is to be resistant to anybody trying to penetrate through. And that's the same thing that we're supposed to do in this battle. That's how we're to be able to be engaged, beloved, to be able to stand. And so he says, put on the, and how do we have to do that? We've got to have the whole armor of God to be able to stand as well as to withstand. And so, and so he wants us, he's, we're exhorted to do that. And what does it, what does it take? You know, when I think about, when I think about maybe being on that football line, I think about, uh, well, I, I've got a friend. He and I were in school together, and uh, he, he had a like a he had some sort of calcium problem when we were in elementary school. And my parents always liked this guy because he could name all the bones in his body. You know, when he was in elementary school, he knew there were two hundred and six of them. And man, he would ask my mom or my dad would ask him a question, and Biff, man, he would just tell you. Well, this is the, this is the ulna and the radius, and this is the humerus, and man, the femur and the tib fib and all that. My parents were really impressed with that man, how smart he was and everything. And uh, but but Biff, he 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 couldn't participate like other young men did in sports. Why? Because he kept breaking bones. That's how come he knew all the names of because he'd broken many of them. I even helped him off the off the playground once because he'd been injured, and so. Biff went on to college and went to went to the University of Missouri, and he became the trainer for the football team there. And so he got involved with some things about medicine and so forth. And eventually, I I hadn't kept up with him, and I I see a an article in some sports like uh, like a Sports Illustrated or whatever. And who is there in those pages? But my friend Biff, he's the trainer for the St. Louis Cardinals football team. That's what he did in his adult life, and we so we have since. Uh, sort of caught up with each other on Facebook. And then I saw him. He was at a reunion of, uh, of a lot of these NFL players. And Biff was always about about five foot one or five foot two, a little guy. So, man, it shows these behemoths there. And there's Biff standing in the crowd, this little guy down there, still looking tan, still looking like he's in shape and everything. And so my point is that when I think about these huge linemen, you know, it takes courage to stand. And beloved, you and I have got to have some courage, just like those linemen. I think about them being there and those big guys all around him. Man, it would it would be easy to stand like that, knowing I got those fellows that would look after me. Amen. And we have some things like that in our lives as well. It takes courage. Now, listen, we're not talking about courage for you and I to, to face the enemy, but where do we get courage from? We're talking about you and I to have the courage, if you will, just to obey the word of God. In spite of what others think, in spite of the counsel and advice, sometimes of our family, courage to do the will of God. Look, look with me in the book of Joshua. 
Notice what he says. Joshua chapter 1. Keep your place in Ephesians. Go to the book of Joshua with me. Right before the book of Judges, the book of Joshua. And I want you to look in chapter 1, a familiar passage of Scripture. Notice what this says. I'm trying to get there after the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Joshua. Look in, look in verse 7. Look how this goes together. Verse 6 says, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous to do what? To fight all those, to fight all those uh, forces over there, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites. Is that what he was talking about? Only be very courageous to do what? That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The courage that we need to stand is the courage to embrace the word of God and submit ourselves to it to, to, to do what it says. And so standing and withstanding takes courage. The knowledge of the word of God, it's kind of like, you know, to, to be able to use it. And so the devil's wiles, they are effective when we are unskillful in the word of God. That's one of those pieces of armor. It says it's the sword of the spirit. It's what the spirit, and that was for close quarter, that sword that that Roman soldier has, it was for close quarter fighting. It was for up close, kind of like not the bayonet on the end of your rifle, but if it was in a sheath on your side where maybe you could wield it if you had to have it, others carried it in other places. But it was for, it was for, it was used in that very close quarter kind of fighting. And so, beloved, we need to have courage to obey the word of God. That's what gives us victory. That's what helps us in this spiritual battle. And so, uh, and we have to have also, we have to have a heart that is fixed. Lip service doesn't work in the heat of battle, all right? And, uh, you know, we, we sing that song. We would sing it, and I think it's uh, number 288. Maybe it's I Am Resolved. It says, I Am Resolved. No longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. And it says, I will hasten to him, full and free. I will hasten to him. And, uh, and so, beloved, you and I, we've got to have some resolve if we're going to be in this battle, if we're going to be successful to stand and, and be consistent in doing it. You know, we need sometimes those fourth quarter Christians. You know, some of those fourth quarter players, what are they what you know, they get hurt sometimes in the in the second quarter and they tape them up during the halftime, and next thing you know, man, there they are. They're their arms all wrapped up. They got a brace on it, they got tape on it, but man, they're like, Man, put me back in. I'm ready. Man, I'll use this. Put me back in. And so so some of this sometimes, beloved, means those men had to learn how to play even though they had been hurt. And sometimes that's true about us in the work of God. 
If you be around people and if you're going to be around the church, you're probably going to be hurt. It's going to happen. But you got to but you got to learn how to play hurt. That's where that standing and withstanding because the devil's going to make sure an opportunity for you to be hurt is going to come along. Why? If he could knock you out of the saddle over something like that, maybe a slight or somebody doesn't recognize you or, I, I, you know, you know, small as we are and the like, you know, it's 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 not easy for us to hide out, amen, you know, in the congregation. Why? We're all here and we're all in this together. And in some ways, that's a blessing over over something that's very large. It's It's around here. It's all hands on deck. But in other places, man, somebody gets overlooked or they don't get asked or whatever, they get their feelings hurt. Listen, if you wear them out here on your shoulder, the devil's going to make sure somebody's going to knock into them. But you got to learn how to play hurt. That's the part of the courage that it has to, that must take place. And part of having the, a heart that's fixed, courage to obey, and a heart that's in this for the for the, from the first shout to the last amen. Because it really is a battle and it's ongoing. It is. And so, beloved, God wants us, God wants us strong. He wants us to, to, if you will, to stand and withstand. And then he wants us to use what he has supplied. Look with me here. I'm back in chapter 6, Ephesians 6. Notice what he says. Look in verse 14, he said, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There is an armor that he has supplied for us and beloved. We've got to do our best to put it on every day. That Roman soldier wouldn't think about going out to battle without his armor being in place. Could you imagine when you men were training, what would happen if you left your, if you left your weapon in the barracks. Some of you are looking like, did it ever happen? Did anybody ever make a mistake with a weapon? Stumble with it? Did, did that ever happen when you were in basic training? Uh, and and what, was it a good thing or a bad thing? It was bad. And, you know, maybe they made you run with the thing over your head. So you wouldn't for you wouldn't you wouldn't forget it anymore or or something like that. Women don't have any idea about the stuff that went on in basic training. They have no clue as to how how sometimes how brutal sometimes some things can be in group punishment. Because then the idea was that the rest of us were going to make sure that that clown didn't forget his weapon the next time. All right, and uh, but I'm I'm just saying. But there there was there was something there. Why? Because they were trying to prepare you for a battlefield where you were going to have to be engaged your mind and you were going to you were going to have to be thinking about what you were going to do. You just couldn't be slumbering in a little sleep and get you hurt or somebody else hurt. 
And so, beloved, God wants us to use the armor that he has supplied. We got to put it on, all right? We have to be proactive in this and not passive if we want victory. Being vigilant or being passive is the difference between life and death. It's the difference between victory and defeat. Being vigilant. So each piece is vital to our victory. Loin skirt about with truth. Man, the most, the most vulnerable areas girt about with truth. God wants us to have truth be a part of our lives. No, no hypocrisy in there, no deception in there, everything true and above board. But we need that. We need that. The breastplate of righteousness, this is integrity. And it has to do with generational things. The breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod. It means to, a readiness to move at his command. You know, one of the things that those Roman soldiers had is they wore hobbed nail shoes. One of their fighting positions was they would, they would sort of get into this diamond position. They would have their shields and their spears, and they would form these up, and then they would start walking into the other army. And they would just penetrate like that. And when they would meet resistance, those hobnail shoes, shoes with little spikes in the bottom, if you will, gave them traction regardless of what battlefield or what terrain they might have been uh, they might have been on at the time of their battle. They were grounded in these things. And so having our feet shod with what? Notice what it says, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. A readiness there, if you will, to move at his command. The shield of faith to quench those what? Fiery darts. And I think about darts of bitterness. I think about darts of sorrow. I think about darts of envy or darts of disappointment. All intended to knock us out of the saddle. That's where, that's where that shield of faith, beloved. And isn't it interesting? He said, above all else, above all. Why? I, I think that shield was large enough for a person to get down behind and have some cover. Amen. And have that shield of faith where we're trusting God in spite of those fiery darts. And that being the difference between that wounding us and knocking us out of the saddle. Because, you know, when you do get hurt at church sometimes, when you just get hurt in life, sometimes it causes people to withdraw. And God doesn't want us to withdraw. He wants to be able to use us and put us out there. And so, and so you know, Lou Holtz was the coach at Notre Dame for a long time, also the head coach at at uh, the University of Arkansas, I think even longer than he was at Notre Dame. And one of the things, Lou Holtz has been one of the winningest coaches, and he gives a lot of motivational speeches, or he did in his past when he was a younger man. And he said, he said a lot of times, he said, the, the football game is a lot, of, a lot like life. And he said, he said, life is made up of 10% of the things that happen to us, and 90% of how we react to the 10%. Beloved boy, we need that shield of faith where we're trusting God and we're holding that between us and the forces of darkness and the weapons that they use 
where we're trusting the Lord to bring us through that salvation, to bring us through that situation. Then, of course, the next one says the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. That's where I don't lose that emotional tie to what happened on the day when I got saved, but rather I'm thinking about resurrection. I'm thinking about rewards. My mind is on the reunion that we're going to have with some friends. I've got these things on my mind, protecting my thought life. <clears throat> protecting my thought life. Then of the whole, then the sword of the spirit, the Holy Spirit's ammo for close quartered combat. And then lastly here, beloved, man, that prayer room. Boy, do you know that prayer is the birthing room of the church? As we pray for souls to be saved and our community to be reached, that's part of the battle. Praying that they would, prayer is the business room of the church. Lord, what would you have us do as a people? God, how would you direct us as a church? That you know, it's not the business meeting; it's the it's the prayer meeting that's the that's the business room of the church, <clears throat> and it's the battle room for the church. Listening for headquarters. Do you know one of the first things that happened during the the uh, <clears throat> the war in Iraq? I should say when when they evaded invaded Kuwait. One of the first things that, that they did was they knocked out the lines of communication. General Schwarzkopf ordered those, ordered those uh, aircraft from the Navy and Air Force, and they went in there, and they knocked out all the command and control headquarters for Saddam's army. So that those poor soldiers out there in the desert, when they saw a dust cloud coming, they didn't know if that was the good guys or the bad guys that were on their way. Why? Because they knocked out that communication. And when the, when you and I, when we lose touch with headquarters, we can we can certainly wind up in a quandary and confusion. And God doesn't want us to do that, beloved. He wants us to pray, pray, pray. The birthing room, the business room, the battling room for the church. And so, beloved. We need each of these pieces of armor about our life, and we can't afford to go out unprepared. Not in any way. And so he wants us to stand, he wants us to be strong, and he wants us to use his supply to get the job done. And beloved, it will work. There have been generations. Why do you suppose there were, there were people that came into our lives when we were lost who had the goods, they had the gospel. Why was that? Because they had been battling and the people before them had been battling. The people before them had been battling. The message hasn't changed in 2,000 years, amen? It has not. Why? Because men and women, they, they stood in the battle. They kept their faith. They finished their course. And beloved, that's what you and I, that's what we ought to be striving to do as well. It is real war. I, I, I kid you not. It's real war. And real prayer is real labor. It is. But beloved, it's the means for us as a people. God help us in these areas to be strong, to be standing, and then use God's supply on a daily basis. Amen. And pray much one for another, beloved. Not just, the, and I'm not taking anything away from the missionaries. Pray for these missionaries, but pray much one for another. We, we must do that. We must do that. Amen. Pray for our community, our leaders, and so forth. It's part of being in the battle. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these dear saints, and I pray, Lord, that you'll bless your word, that we may be encouraged and exhorted, dear God, 
uh, the way you would have us to be, Lord, even as Paul's readers needed to be. This is a real battle. Help us, Lord, to, to view it that way and to understand our role in it. God, give us grace, Lord, that we might be strong and able to stand and then equip, Lord, daily put it on. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 